0: The latest word from the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists, they've moved the doomsday clock forward 90 seconds to midnight, and that's the closest to global catastrophe ever reported. They cite the dangers of the war in Ukraine, nuclear risk, climate change, and technologies. So are these atomic scientists the final word on the subject? Well, I know of a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth who 2,000 years ago was much more informed on time than these 21st century PhDs. Hi everyone, I'm Bill Nordstrom, and welcome to the program today. The atomic clock has been set 25 times since back in 1947, following the nuclear events that ended World War II. The farthest time from midnight was an optimistic 17 minutes. Back in 1991, and and the nearest is the now 92nd, set just this past January 24th of 2023. What happens when the doomsday clock hits midnight? Well, hypothetically speaking, it's the theoretical point of annihilation. The apocalypse, the end of the world as we know it. The atomic scientists are seeking workable ideas at a time when technology is outpacing our ability to control it. They say what connects the topics to nukes, climate, tech, is the belief that because we humans created them, we can control them. Ah uh, Really? I don't think so. Man's track record on controlling much of anything is pretty dismal. What does get my attention, though, is that even the world's thinkers are beginning to realize the jig is nearly up, that if man doesn't get his act together very soon, the world will implode upon itself. Well, let's see what the Bible says about God's atomic clock, the one on which he moves the hands, and I suggest he's not moving that minute hand backwards, God's steadily winding it down in real time as he prepares to inaugurate a new age. So do we have any holy hints here? Well, I can think of a couple that may not be too far away. An extraordinary peace initiated by a, a dangerous historical enemy who set to destroy a holy covenant that he will have most recently confirmed. Beginning of animal sacrifices in a soon-to-be-built third temple, the wars and rumors of wars that change the political landscape in the Middle East. And then there's the clear revelation to the man of sin, the Antichrist, who will have validated all the above of what I just spoke. But what will be most informative in God's take on time? The soon-coming end of the Lord's mysterious two days, spoken of by the prophet Hosea back in chapter 6, an Old Testament prophet. Yep, the prophetic 2,000-year gap between Christ's two comings. Listen to God's word here. I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Who's they? Israel. Then they will seek my face in their affliction they will earnestly seek me. So what's the offense? The death of Christ. The two days? What's that? Israel's 2,000 years of blindness since their rejection of Jesus. We'll not speculate on dates here, but we will point out most chronologists show Jesus was somewhere between 30 and 33 years old when he was crucified. That acceptance would show Hosea's two days or 2,000 years are soon to expire. So you might be asking, how can we be so sure about the 2,000 years? Well, I would ask how accurate was Jeremiah's prophecy of the 70 years' captivity in Babylon. The prophet Daniel took careful note of that. How literal is the 1,000-year millennium? Listen to the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 20. The angel... Laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years, so that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years were finished. Remember, Hosea's prophecy says he's he's going to give him up for two days, two thousand years, but after the two days, after that long gap of two thousand years, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. That's the 1,000-year millennium. Now, I know this all sounds confusing, but we have to understand this 2,000-year gap. Theologians, scholars, commentators have argued over these things for years. And sadly, this is why so little clear Bible revelation on these times and seasons seldom make it to the pulpits and the people. I suggest the deceiver of the brethren who, who managed to keep the mystery a mystery for lo, those many years, his time is quickly coming to an end. And even the atomic doomsday clock recognizes something's up. Beloved, do you understand what we're saying here? We're making it clear by means of the Old Testament prophecy, the Jewish writers, so little considered by the church when it comes to the end times— that although the mystery has been entrenched for the past two millennia, it's now, in this 21st century, making its way known by the power of the Holy Spirit to a church that's waking up and beginning to pay attention. But I'd also like to add this. If you've been entrenched in less than a 200-year-old theory that you'll be caught up into the presence of the Lord before any of these events we're speaking of actually take place, you know, you're going to likely find yourself very confused, bewildered, and even fearful at the rapid disintegration of culture in our day and the increasing marginalization and persecution coming in the days ahead. I beg you, I beg you in Jesus' name, To put yourself in a position to begin devouring the prophetic scriptures, seek out prayer groups that pray into these matters, and and brothers and sisters in the Lord who meet regularly to discuss what the prophets say about these coming days. You know, I received a note a number of years ago, I don't remember how long, but it was quite a while ago, from someone who was part of a group I was leading at the time, and, and his rejection of a post-tribulation rapture and his desire to go on as usual. Let me read it to you. It's rather brief. Oh, well, he says, I'm still a pre-trib believer, and it makes me happy. I'll probably just go the way of all flesh anyway. But to be caught up in the air with him before real hell breaks out is what I enjoy believing. And if it doesn't happen, I'm still a happy camper. Besides, I know my Redeemer lives, and he lives in me now, and that's all that counts, right? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. What will happen will happen and will happen in whatever sequence. My trust, no matter what, is in the one who died for me, whether I live or die, and and whether I got to figure it out or not. He closes with this. I really don't want to debate it. I shouldn't have bit the bait anyhow, Bill, but I love you guys. Well, it makes him happy. Uh, He's enjoying believing, and he's a happy camper, but you know what? That won't cut it in the end. So let's pray. Let's pray for him first. Father, in Jesus' name, I don't remember this brother's name, and I I just know that I received that note from him. He was part of a group. But you know him, Father, whether he's alive or well, whether he's changed his position. But, Father, I ask you to bless him, to minister to him, to take him into a place he understands what you're doing in this age and in this time. I pray in Jesus' name that not one brother or sister hearing this message today will suffer from unpreparedness or deception in the coming crisis, that your Holy Spirit would set a guard around their hearts, that small groups of saints, Father, would be raised up so discussions bathed in prayer and intercession, Father, would lead to the abundant wisdom and understanding concerning the times in which we live— and the strategies of the Holy Spirit to fulfill our assignments. Father, I fully believe you're, you're going to provide all that we've asked here because your word makes it clear. We're to glory. Father, we're to glory in our tribulations and persecutions knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces spiritual character that goes on full display at the end of this age father we ask these things in the name of jesus amen and amen maranatha beloved even so come lord jesus i'm bill nordstrom